This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to the podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 117, recorded on the 16th of October, 2019. On today's show, creating your own support network. We are so excited to be coming to your ears every two weeks. But just so you don't miss out, we recommend that you subscribe to Camp Hacker in whatever podcast app you have on your phone. Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you want, it's all good. As well, if you enjoy the Camp Hacker podcast, we would be so grateful if you left us a review on one of those podcast sites. Not only will that help other people find the show, but your reviews will help us continue to make the type of podcasts that best support the camping industry. For those of you who have left us reviews, and those of you who haven't, but soon will. Thanks for letting your awesome out, Camp Mavericks. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I am a summer camp marketing and strategy consultant, and I am thrilled to be doing the show with you today with these people who are joining me now. My name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains, and we focus on creating a positive female community. We do that in French and English. And my name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams, which is a summer camp and retreat facility in southwestern Ontario. We're part of the United Church of Canada's camping network, and we're located about halfway between Detroit and Toronto. And we want to welcome you to this, the 116th episode. 116! Of, of, uh, it's not 116. 117! <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to keep recording because we got the sillies and sometimes that's fun. <laughs> so we are having a funny afternoon. Um, we do have a fairly serious topic. Not terribly serious, but um, we're grateful to have everybody here. We're hoping Jan- Dan can join us when uh, he gets a chance, but we're not too sure he's going to be here today. Anyway, we were, we were talking about things to talk about on this show, and um, really, we haven't really talked about support and our own support and how we manage this. We've done lots of uh, chats, I think, about longevity in the in the camp community and how to to put yourself forward in your career, but we thought that there was an important element missing from that, and that is having a, a good support network. And one of the reasons that this particular crew of people is together is because we're and still are our, our own support network. It's been fun for all of us over all these years to have each other to, to talk to and share crazy stories and, and um, call for advice and work on projects together. And that's part of the reason why we do this show is, is so that we all can be together and, and with these people that we care very much about and, and love to share ideas with. And we think that there are some things you can do to be really purposeful and intentional about this as well. What um, what you can do as a professional to make sure that you are supported. I think that there are lots of parts of this job. Among the crazy things about being a summer camp director is the fact that you're surrounded by tens of people, yet you can feel completely alone. Or that for three months of the year, you have tons of extra people, great people to be around, always people to bounce things off, and then boom, they're gone and you're on your own. And uh, it's hard to manage those transitions. I find that 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 switch in the fall very hard to manage. Um, and it, we think that we can be intentional and thoughtful about that. So we wanted to talk about it today. 
I think one of the the things that that I rely on in this situation, and I mean, I'm a bit, bit unique because I'm not currently a camp director, um, but one of the things that I have learned to do for myself is find small groups of people, as this conversation is, to have regular meetings with, to catch up on things, to talk through problems, etc. And I actually have two mastermind groups that I belong to that were ones that I created. People who were were doing stuff that I looked up to, that I became friends with, that I said, would it be all right if we could meet regularly and just bounce ideas off of? I have um, a group of camp consultants that, that I meet with pretty regularly, two or, th- two or three times a quarter. And, uh, and also a group of people that I took Seth Godin's Alt MBA with and were coaches with, and we're all people trying to build their own businesses and doing stuff online and figuring things out and sharing ideas. And I love that idea of having people that you can be accountable to and people that you can come back to regularly. And, uh, you know, I like the, the point in when that relationship becomes very trusting and people can say, you know, I don't think you actually tried all that hard. I think you could have pushed this a little harder. I think that you took the easy way out. And sometimes that's hard to hear from just anybody, but if it's people with whom you have a great deal of trust, you can it can be a kind of thing that you hear and say, you are probably right. I could do better. Um, and I appreciate having that regular accountability. So I would say my my opening salvo in this is to say, find a group of people probably camp directors, maybe not, maybe you need just people who are at the same stage of a career as you are, that you can just share ideas and make a commitment to meeting regularly. And my best advice for that is to go around a circle at the end of those discussions. It's nice to have the catch up and say, how are things going? What are you struggling with? You know, what can we help you with? But I think the, the most impactful thing you can do in a mastermind group is to say, by time we next meet, I'm going to have this done. And then know, even if it's the half hour before that call, you know things will get done so that you can't you don't show up to a meeting saying, Yeah, I couldn't I you know, I couldn't be asked to do that and just never got done. When you have a group of people who will call you on that, I think that that is hugely powerful and impactful. So that's my my number one suggestion is find a group of people to form a mastermind with. I know of some great masterminds. There's a good mastermind came out of the Women in Camp Conference last year. Um, Some former clients of mine have got together and have a a Women Camp Directors mastermind as well. And I know of several others. and, And even if you go to I think it's the the Camp Hacker blog. I wrote a post on how to run a good mastermind and what what that makes up to. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes and make sure that everybody can see and read some of those ideas that I put together. But I know people have used summer camp professionals to find people to get together and um, to do this sort of thing. And and there's definitely people doing it at campmavericks.com as well. So. Joe, what do you what do you think? What are some good things that uh, you use for building your own support network? Well, in in writing down, it's this idea that um, your support network doesn't need to be in camping, right? And and it's it's actually more beneficial yeah. if you have friends outside of camping as well that so that you don't have to talk camp with them or they're actually more interested in what you're doing because they think you working at camp is more interesting than them working in insurance, right? So mm-hmm. um, there's a variety of things. I wrote down a, a series of things um, – that your your spouse and partner are your most important um, yep. and family can be your most important support network if you 
if you like them. Um, if you don't like them, then uh, <laughs> choose something different. Um, but the idea that you have someone that you can talk to about anything, right, in that spouse and partner mm-hmm. um, is, a, is, is obviously and should be a go-to um, with or a family member. My brother is also still in camping um, and has been in camping long-term. So having a sibling that you can chat with about camp and, um, and, and just get a different perspective on things. So for me, I find my network is mainly, um, my wife is, uh, my wife is a camp, used to be a camp director as well, full-time with uh, some private camps. And we had her here when we first moved and we both went through Lakehead university for a direct. So we know, we know what this is and having my brother is, is another good one, but also I don't want to underplay the idea of camp friends. So like people like you two, um, who we've known now for let's say 20 plus years is where we're getting in on this relationship. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, you're not, I know you're not committed yet, but, um, <laughs> but there's still a chance you can break up with me. Um, but like to know that when I'm driving down the road, I can just hit, you know, I can just call, let's say a buddy of mine, like Mark Cooper, who's at camp Tamarack, I can just call him and we'll just chat about anything because it's not so much that you support network is, isn't that you need to clarify a, a problem. It can just be touching base. Gab, what for you then is your first step in creating your own support network? I think, um, I think there's, for me, there's four categories when it comes to your own support network. So you have your non-camp people, which is very important because you're more than your camp. And so you want people that care about you first and not your camp first. And that's complicated when, if you're taking over a childhood camp um, where you and your friends ended up working at um, and uh, they care about it very much and they're anxious about any changes. If you're frustrated with what's happening at your camp, it's hard to share that information with those camp friends. So people that don't, that care about you first and foremost are, is important. Um, and then camp pros that are outside of your camp organization yeah. um, is a secondary. And then of course your own camp people, cause you can talk deep about your camp and then um, therapy, which I'm a big fan of yeah, because for sure, me too. you're, yeah, you're checking in with yourself. You're responsible for a lot of people. You make decisions based on gut instinct and you need to understand what your gut is telling you. So I think therapy is really helpful. Um, I think that a lot of people that I meet at camp conferences are the things I, I encounter a lot is that loneliness throughout the, the other seasons, the season that you're not busy at camp and having direction. And I think that a lot of the times younger camp directors are asking me, how did I create my network of camp pros around me? And, um, and I do, I'm very lucky, um, as we talked about, I have what, almost any conference I go to, I have people that feel like family um, and yes. I feel like they have my back. And so what I would suggest to, to people that are trying to create their own network is to volunteer for a conference, volunteer for your association, because I just like at camp, I feel when you work together, that's when you build bonds. Usually there's similar value systems because you're working towards something that you believe you believe uh, believe in and so volunteering at a conference or for your association gets your foot in the door and it's it's great networking and then don't be shy actually make it part of your mission to reach out to those people and say hey maybe we should meet every other week on zoom skype or um, go out and grab a coffee and talk about camp um, and 
or talk about how we're managing camp, whatever is important to you. And I've had people approach me to ask me if I would be down to do that. And I've always been honored and excited that somebody would ask me. I've, I've never said no to those type of conversations. And, um, and it's, it's always helped me. So, but if you're, if you don't know how to create that connection, I would definitely recommend going to a conference, volunteering for a conference or reaching out to your, your nearest uh, association and, and seeing what you can do to, to support them. And that way you make, you can make some great connections that way. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. One, one thing that stood, stood out to me in what you said, Gabby, is volunteering at a conference is different than going to a conference. It's, yeah. it, it, it does um, help you make connections in different mm-hmm. ways. It's a, a really um, subtle, but I think important difference because you're automatically connected to people. You are, um, you know, you are talking about what's going on, et cetera. And that makes a, a much deeper connection. And I, I mean, that's, that's how, it, how Gavin, Joe and I know each other is from volunteering to run a conference. And that's how we made our connection. And, and um, even Dan and I connected through the same sort of idea where we were ones who were sharing ideas about camp on Twitter. And that's how we met and became friends is because it was just putting out ideas, I think putting ourselves forward and saying we're interested in camp and part of that discussion. And so, um, yeah, that's a, a, a big part of that. I wanted to make sure we really caught on the, that thing that you said. Hey, Dan. Hey, hey Dan, we're glad to have you. Um, we're spending some time today talking about building your own support network as a camp pro. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, so we're we're just getting started, um, but we are recording, and and we're grateful to have you here. I wonder if you if there's anything that sticks out for you as to to how you built your own support network from the start of your career. Yeah. Um, oh, geez, that's such a big question. Um, all right. Um, for me, uh, I was privileged enough to have a mentor built in with my camp, which was a great starting point. Right. Yeah. Not every camp has that. And then um, from there, um, that person introduced me to a few people. And then I really started pushing myself out that way. Um, uh, That was a really big step was having a a mentor in-house, if you're fortunate to have that. Um, Another way was by presenting. Um, I found um, by putting myself out there in conferences. Yes. Um, that not only did I get to share my knowledge that I had, even on the most niche topics, like, it also opened doors to other people. Um, and it also taught me that, uh, presenters love people coming up to them afterwards, you know, like, um, people are always like, I don't want to bother them. They just presented, uh, they must be exhausted. It's like, that's quite the opposite. That's actually, you can make some really great connections. Um, so what I've done is like, I've offered to take people out to coffee after their presentation, or I've I've stayed good email contacts with them. And uh, those people have become, my um network as well too um uh yeah twitter i heard you talk about twitter as i came in um that was a great way to meet people um i also go to my network a lot and say i'm working on this do you know anybody with this skill set and that introduction to people has expanded my network dramatically um, I've really gotten to know a lot of the ACA national and ACA regional staff from New York, New Jersey by asking questions and just saying, I just want to talk to somebody. Does anyone know anybody? Um, I find our industry with peer sharing is, is huge and, yep. um, happy to put themselves out there. Uh, I got really good at writing a thank you note 
Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be ex long, you know, um, those are really good things. Um, I also got good at asking, um, asking like slightly bold questions like, Hey, can I ask you for a favor? Can you spend some time with me on this? You know, like um, where it's sometimes people would uh, be afraid to like ask or feel like they're imposing. If that makes sense. Um, and then I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, those are really the biggest, the biggest ways, it, you know, like I think there, there's a value every person can bring to your life, you know, and, yeah. and to be very, um, you not only can they bring value to you, but you need to bring value to them. So I've helped out a number of people and it's paid dividends. Um, you know, um, I've, I've recommended books to people. I've like, yeah, feel free to bounce that off of me. I've, over, I've proofed a letter. I've looked at presentations. I've looked at Excel sheets for people. Those little acts that take you 15 minutes are end up people being more likely to help you in the future. So, yeah. 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 Sorry. I was kind of ramble. But. No, 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 it's good. It was really good. Um, I, I, I think it's for me, Dan. Like what you're saying is, I think one of the things that um, I'm reminded of is that you and I hadn't meet, met in person. I think it was probably two or three years that we had spoken over Skype. It was like five years. Was it five years? Yeah. yeah it was, so it was, it was like five years, and we were meeting regularly. Um, and that was Travis that had brought all of us together, but we were meeting regularly on Skype at first it was on Skype. Now we're on zoom uh, to do our podcast. And when we finally met at a conference, I remember I was really, really sick and, um, <laughs> I was about to, to fly out yeah, yeah, yeah. and, um, and, uh, we texted each other and you said, let's meet in the lobby. And I remember seeing you and I was so excited. I wanted to give you a hug, but then I was like, Oh no, I can't. I'm so sick. And, and then you saw me and said, Oh, give me a hug. And, and, it was so nice because we had all of those opportunities to have these deep, meaningful conversations with no judgment, uh, with like supportive ears and, um, and also just hearing how you approached camp, how you approached your staff, how you approached your parents, just your philosophy behind what you did um, just helped me in my, in my process with my camp and, and, and my staff and my, my families. And I think that that's the, that's the thing I think for a long time, you know, I, I was lucky to volunteer for conference yeah, at conferences. I was lucky to meet people um, yeah. at conferences and I enjoyed it, but the actual push outside of the conferences to meet regularly, the benefits that I received just by connecting with people, it, I can't, I can't measure it. And just being able to do that, it's so important and that we stuck to it was, it was a big value. So as you were talking, I, I was, I was reminded of that moment that we met and how excited and happy I was to meet you. It felt like, well, an old friend that I never got to meet in person. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. values there, the values is definitely there in, in making those outreaches outside of your own circles. Yeah. I think the other thing that you've both said is that, and th this was something I found really impactful from a, a TED talk that um, Tim Ferriss did. And I've heard him say it on his podcast before, uh, when you need help, help someone else. So be the one to put out, uh, put out stuff, be the one to share things. And all of that leads to, um, you know, if you're, you're struggling, at least it might lead to people saying, I'm, I share that struggle or, or it just 
builds people who are interested in helping out because you've put yourself out there and you've done, um, you, you know, you've done this great thing for the camp community. You've done things for a group of people that, um, you know, may eventually become something, but I think you start with but all good relationships when they get past the, you know, how are you and what do you do for your job? Um, you know, start with one person taking a chance and trying to find some commonalities. Mm-hmm. And so putting out some of those things or volunteering or, or uh, all, all those things we discussed can lead to having people in, in your, your work life, your personal life, who can be a support system to you because they recognize some interests, et cetera. So different and good parts of that. Hey, can I, can I say, um, uh, you know, uh, with that, um, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to an expert on a topic and they were not thinking about that topic the, the way I was thinking about it. Mm. And they're like, I've, I've never thought of that. Can you, when you find the answer, can you come back and tell me? And then uh, following up with them um, afterwards is really what's led to a friendship. You know, like um, I can think of like uh, Scott Arzella or um, Chris Thurber or, um, uh, Maui Gostin or just, um, or some of these people that I've asked challenging questions to are like, Oh, I've never, I never thought of it that way. And, um, the right personality will say, Hey, I want to learn as well. Come back yeah. to me and tell me, you know, and the, the wrong personality, not those three that I mentioned, um, will be like, yeah, no, that doesn't exist. Don't worry about that. And, and, um, yeah, and it's, it's very funny in the industry. Um, you know, who you make connections with and what you make them for. So, okay. So I might sound a little different. We are getting Zoom back <laughs> up and running. This is going to be a funny show. I knew this is going to be a funny show. The world, the world is a funny place, Travis. You know? It's true. We'll celebrate that together. It is the way it building works. Building our own support system. Um, Joe, what else do you have? What else are you thinking about for building your own support network? I think this is a weird one. Um, I think having a friend on your board of directors is an important component to not even a friend. I'm not saying somebody you're going to go have drinks with or someone you're really, really close to, but you need to have the support from your board. And that's where outside of in camping in nonprofits and outside in nonprofits, that's one of the major reasons that staff leave is because of um, is because of board of directors. And so having people on the board that you can get along with and chat about if there's issues, because oftentimes as a, as a, a camp director and executive director, you don't, you're not going to funnel that down to the other staff you work with. You need to be able to, if there's issues, you need to be able to go up or chat with right. them. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is this idea that step outside and get a different network like get involved in something that's totally not. So there's two things I thought of here, this idea um, locally in London, Ontario, which is our our largest big city here of of half uh, a quarter of a million people. um, We have uh, the pillar nonprofit network. And so as a nonprofit person or a charity person, you can get together with other executive directors from other organizations and chat. And so that's a network that isn't camping, but has people who are from that, that area. The other thing that I do in London on a monthly basis, and this is going to sound uh, weird, there's a game we play in Canada called Crokinole, and I go to Crokinole Club once a month. Um, and I read an article last year that even a monthly social gathering um, will help people live longer. 
And mm. so when I go to that monthly social gathering of Crokinole Club and we play Crokinole for um, uh, a couple of hours on a, on a Thursday night, and it is just the, the camaraderie, the friendship. It's just a group of people I would have never met if it wasn't for this one thing. But it's a group of people who are interested and, you know, they, they talk and they chat and, and they, um, I actually take all of my spring staff. So my university students, we go in May and they, um, the Crokinole people love the, when I bring my staff in May um, and because they're so welcoming and they chat about camp. And it's just a, it's just one of those things when you're looking for a network, don't always look for camp friends right? You can look for something totally outside. Um, it's the same. And I've said this about conferences. If you're only attending camp conferences, you're selling yourself short, right? right. Um, and so, or only doing camp things. I just, I just found out today that I'm, uh, I'm going to, uh, to a workshop on compressed earth block building <laughs> um, and for five days in Belize uh, to build a house in Belize with compressed earth blocks. And it excites me. And that guy, the guy who arranged it uh, reached out to me. He said, well, how'd you find out? And I said, well, I've, I've known about it through an RSS feed and stuff for years. And, and then I, it was interesting. And I told him what we do. And he said, wow, we should partner on some things. And I'm like, Great. All that comes about through a simple email. Yeah. Um, and maybe he's just saying it because I'm spending money to go to the workshop, but I don't think so. I think the idea is when you have people who have these, um, the more you reach out, the more likely that you're going to feel supported and, and build up a support network of people who can, can expand your own ideas and, and you can bounce things off of. Yep. Yeah. So those are mine. Okay. It's good. Thank you. I was also thinking about, um, it, as I said in the intro, the loneliness of, of being a camp director and how to combat that. And one of the things, not everybody lives on site year round at their camps. Lots of people don't. Um, but I think volunteering outside of the camp world is also good. Um, for those of us who have lived on site and not at Frost Valley where you're on staff with 120 people year round, but it was just a couple of you or you're solo up there. That can be really hard. And, and I know camp directors who were volunteer firefighters like I was, um, volunteer paramedics, uh, involved at, um, you know, other jobs just to meet people locally. Uh, I know, a uh, a camp director drives Zamboni at the arena, you know, four hours a, a week. And it's just enough to, to get out and see some other people that makes a difference. It sounds to me like a lot of the stuff about this. It, I really like the way that you worded the, the topic Gab, about building your own support network. It takes some action on your part. You can't just say, Hey, I'm here. You have to actually do something about it. You have to be um, active in this. And that may be incredibly hard for introverts. It probably is incredibly hard for introverts, but it still takes some some action on your part to to get to meet the right people, get other you know, small groups of introverts that you can hang out with and have um, good conversations with and be really open with. But I think that my biggest takeaway is that everything we've described involves an action on on our own personal 
you know, thing that we're choosing to do, we have to take the action to do it. And, and Travis, I think part of that action is this idea that it's the same as when you're at a conference, the action of sitting down at a table with people you don't know and starting the yeah. conversation can yeah. sometimes reach into a network of people you would have never met right. otherwise. Right. Um, and, and it's just, yeah, oftentimes taking the first step is, um, is important. Yeah, that's great. I did have, I did think about one other thing, Travis, is this idea that if it's not people, right? So we have this belief that a support network has to be people, mm-hmm. but a support network can be things as well. So be okay. it a, be it, if you're, if you love reading and that's what gives you energy, then read, right? If you right. love, yeah. um, woodworking or if, if you have a hobby that's specific, then that can be a support to you when you need it. Cause it's, it's like comfort food. You go back to something that gives you that stability, that feeling of stability. Um, yeah. if it's, if it's watching friends on repeat, then so be it, you know, watch friends or quantum leap on repeat, if that's your thing. So <laughs> might or yeah. might not be my Sam thing. Bacula, Scott Bacula, right? Ah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yes. yeah. That's everyone's thing, right? <laughs> I wonder where that streams. I don't actually watch it. I do own a set on DVD one season, season one on DVD. So there you go. Yeah. Gab, what were you going to say? I, I think I'm, I think, um, from what I what I've gathered for where I feel the most supported is within a group of people where I can be vulnerable and that yes I, I find education is really important um, and um, and that's that's definitely a piece that I, that I'm looking for um, but where I get the most value is where I feel like I can I can be vulnerable and and so if I was if I was to to for somebody that was looking for a, a network or a group of people is to would be to create that environment and set up that structure where it's a you know a cone of silence where where you're you're discussing things that you need to discuss um, and there, that there's no judgment and and I know that for myself I work with my family um, mm-hmm. my parents own the camp that I work at and um, I actually have a really wonderful working in working relationship with both my parents. Uh, but because I have a, uh, a nice working relationship with them because I have an external uh, support system where there is no judgment when I'm speaking about my conditions, when I'm speaking about my relationships with my parents, with the working environment, with the difficulties that, that are happening um, at camp. And Joe talked about at the beginning about having your family as your, as your support system. And I work very hard to bring the things that I have a hard time with to, to my family. I, mm. I try to be as transparent as possible. Um, I think that's the only way to really make sure that our, um, our business is successful, but uh, my mother has role modeled over and over again, that family is first. And I've seen that in practice and in firsthand, she chooses us first. She chooses my her husband first and, and, and business is second. So that makes it easier for me to come forward. But sometimes I need to talk about some of my frustrations outside of that circle. And I need to make sure that, that there is no judgment on, on them because I care about them so much. And so I, I'm looking 
often for a place where I can be vulnerable um, and I can talk about those things and, and, and other people can maybe bring some perspective and sometimes not working with your parents is a, is a good perspective. And people say, you know, it doesn't, people don't call usually at 10 o'clock at night to talk about work. And I said, Oh, they don't, I didn't realize that. Um, and that is something that happened earlier in my career with, with my folks, they would call me around 10 o'clock and tell me stuff at night. And I started setting up those boundaries and, and also talking to other people that also work with their families. That was very helpful for me, but not to be afraid to, to need that sort of circle of people. And it's, it, that's a, it's also a place where you can find a group where you can be you. Right? right. So whether that's vulnerable or whether the idea when you're when you're at the top of the, the food chain, right, you have to project a certain well, you don't have to. You can be vulnerable at the top of the food chain, but the reality is that um um one of the thing one of the things some of my staff love is when we would go to for years I worked on a I I sat on the Buckeye Leadership Workshop Committee and and me as a committee member and me running a session is a lot different than me as executive director, right? Like see a very different side. And so staff would come and they would see me on stage doing like, you know, the pre skits and things. And they were like, why don't you do this at camp? And I was like, well, because I let others do it at camp and here Mm -hmm. it is what it is. But there's a group of people there that, that are non-judgmental most of the time about you being you and, and having a place where you can be yourself is important. Right. Sort of agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the vulnerability part, I've called friends that are professionals in other fields and um, I find some fields really correspond with our field, hospitality. Um, any, any mm-hmm. field that really lives their work really corresponds mm-hmm. with our fields. Uh, most people in the tech industry, uh, most people in politics, um, most people on campaigns, um, where uh, like they they actually like go through the same grind we go through and have to have the same um, high communication, high level communication we need to. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. And when you're saying politics, I often think about. Um, I have two Instagrams. I have one that's my professional Instagram and I have my other that's my Finstagram and so, um, or my Finsta. And um, I did a thing at, a, at an improv night where they interviewed me and they asked me to use my stories in their, for their improv. Um, and they wanted to, they, they accidentally had my Finsta and they said, and they tagged me on that. And I quickly called them and said, Oh, please take, use this one. And there's, there's such this sort of protective layer that I have about who I am out there. And, and I would assume, of course, as a politician, you, you, that would be the same thing, but teachers are, because they work with children also, you have to be very protective and it's not that I'm doing anything negative out, out in the world, but there's, there's a level of, of, I need to keep uh, you know, sort of professional view online. Whereas I'm also a graphic designer and graphic designers almost having you know, they can share whatever they want and it almost creates an edge to their uh, online presence. I, I don't have that luxury and camp directors don't have that luxury either. It was thinking, we've been having these conversations long enough that, that our, our, the way we think edges up on each other and we learn so much from each other because of that. Um, but I, that's a great lesson. Like start a podcast that you don't release 
um, that you don't put out there just so you can have some discussions or, or do lots of practice ones until you're ready to put stuff out because you get to have great conversations. I think one of the things that you've all said in some small way is to have a creative outlet as well, like whatever the hobby, whatever your hobby is, something that makes you feel energized, you know, that gives you energy is, and then build a network around that as well. Um, because that is um, a great way to to give yourself some support, but to just to be able to walk away from camp um, and uh, you know do some fun stuff outside of that. Uh, I, is there anything anything else anybody want to say on the topic before we move on to the next section? Just one one thing that that comes to me at the end of every summer, especially when you're seeing 20 some odd thousand people interact on the camp pros group. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out a way that our support system helps us not feel like we're martyrs, right? Like mm -hmm. feel like we're, there's enough people who are like, we survived again. And I'm like, well, if your work's going to kill you, you need to adjust your work, right? Like right. you need to, and, and part of it is that we do this kind service. We do a great service to, to many people, um, but we rarely, there are a variety of people who don't take care of themselves. And that's where this support comes in, right? If you feel like you're a martyr, you need a better support network to get, to help you refocus what you're, what you're actually doing. Right. So um, I don't know how to say it without, you know, if that's your persona that you have to go all out for two or three or four months mm -hmm. and then take a month off because you're so exhausted, you're not going to be able to do this for 25, 30 years. Like that's not, not going to be healthy and, and you're not going to succeed. Yeah. I just jotted down Joe, just before you said that um, I jotted down for in our notes um, next podcast, let's talk about burnouts. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that this is a topic that leads into, um, you know, it's mental wellness and health and, and, and prevention. Um, and especially if you do like what you're doing and you want to make sure you're doing this for, for a long period of time. And we've talked about this before, but, but burnouts or in, I find burnouts are horrible. Um, I think getting bitter is also just as equally bad. Yes. Um, and I, um, it takes a lot of effort to not get to that point. You actually really need to work at work at it. The longer you're in this job, so maybe that's next next conversation. Good one. Great. Well, thank you all. Uh, important topic, and and I, I really like the ideas. I'm grateful to all of you for sharing. Uh, that means that we're going to move on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. So welcome to the Tool of the Week section brought to you by my Tool of the Week newsletter that goes out every Tuesday at 6.05 in the morning. Uh, and you can join that for free at gocamp.pro slash TOW for Tool of the Week. And um, we've got some great tools for everybody today. Uh, Gab, do you mind starting us off with your tool? Sure, yeah. So Cl Class Dojo is an app um, you can also uh, use it on your computer, but basically it's what uh, mostly, it's very popular in elementary school teachers. 
And it's a way of, of rating how your students are doing. Um, why I really like it is that you can add points to um, some positive, uh, constructive behaviors and, and things that are not necessarily helping the individual or the other team members. So our camp, of course, has a, an official system for, um, for giving feedback to our staff members and evaluating them. Um, however, uh, sometimes we run training that is, that is separate from our large staff training, so what we call boot camp. And there's 10 yeah. staff members, and I'm by myself, and I'm running the program. I'm making sure the food is being cooked. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's all hands on deck, all by myself. And I want to rate my staff members well. I want to remember how they did you know, a month later. So I use a Class Dojo. Very quick. It's an app on your phone that you can use. And this year, we're going to be implementing it with all of our activity heads. Our activity heads will be able to evaluate our CITs as well as their staff members because they only have three or four uh, staff that, that come and participate, but this is a very easy way to, to track how staff are doing. Um, and it's super user-friendly and elementary student uh, teachers are, it's just it's catching on like wildfire in a positive way. And uh, I loved it this year and um, excited to see what we can do uh, this summer. And, and you can share it with, with, with your leadership team members or um, right. keep it private, et cetera, et cetera. So class dojo and it's free. So super cool. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Scott. Joe, what's your tool? My tool is the Combi system. Um, so Steel is a, a brand of, of yard tool and, and whatnot, and they sell something called the Combi unit or Combi system. Um, and it is like a weed eater is the, or a, like a, <clears throat> I call it a weed eater. Not sure what other people call it. String um, trimmer sometimes. String trimmer, where you can take the string trimmer off and you can put a ton of other tools onto it. So we own, I was just writing down how many we own. We own the weed eater. We can take that off and put a blower on so that we can do a leaf blowing or blow off um, the porches. All of the craft crap that gets left behind, um, we can blow that off. We have a, I was just using it before the podcast. Um, I was using a pole saw to cut down branches so that a squirrel couldn't jump onto the roof, potentially not jump onto the roof of a building. Right. Um, we use a hedge trimmer. We have a gravel brush because we have, yeah. when we push snow in the in the winter, gravel from our laneway gets onto our grass, and the gravel brush uh, in the spring will just push it back. We have an edger, um, and we have uh, two shaft extensions. So the pole saw today was literally uh, really really far away from me. So the pole saw is probably six feet away when it's by itself, and then each extension is three feet. So it was uh, nine to 10 feet away from me today uh, trying to move. But the combi unit is, is great. And what I would, um, if you're a camp buying it, I was always recommend to buy the higher leveled engine. That's yes. all. Um, it's worth it in the long run and they're serviceable. So That's great. Good one, Joe. Um, I like a good maintenance tool. So my tool is uh, is not this thing on YouTube. You can see this is a holder for a phone for recording videos, and this is the little spring-loaded one. And I find these things frustrating and flimsy. And now that phones are good enough that they can be used for good recordings and lots of camp directors are using them for Bonjaro and all sorts of things, it's important to have a good one of these. So 
I say no to these flimsy spring-loaded ones that are usually too small, too, for big phones that from today. Um, I have one, and we'll get the thing in the show notes. It is from a brand, um, which I'm sure is just a, uh, a Chinese brand called Yumanzi. You can see here. Uh, and it's made of all aluminum, and it doesn't have springs in it. So uh, I've got it on my camera here as it's attached to a magic arm that I take with me when I record Poncharos. And instead of a spring, it has a threaded system that opens and closes the jaws. And it'll take big phones. It won't go quite up to an iPad mini or a 7-inch tablet. Um, but it might do a 7-inch tablet, but it won't do a 10-inch tablet. Um, but it'll hold things really securely. It'll take big phones. My phone is... Um, heading towards its last legs. And so I have a, a Mophie battery pack on it all the time. And even with that battery pack, you know, and it fits and secure in these things. And I now own two of them. I'll probably end up getting a couple more just to have them in lots of different places for when I need to record videos for shows, for teaching, uh, etc. And so check in the show notes. It's Yulanzi. It is um, a cell phone holder that you can attach to a tripod or a magic arm or something to hold your tripod, your your phone still for doing recordings. Or um, I even have one behind my computer. If you're watching this video, I had it on before. I don't have it quite adjusted right, but um, I have a spot for my uh, cell phone right beside my monitor on my computer that I can just clip it in there using this little clip. And this is the, the strongest, most effective one I've found. So that's what I use. Dan, why don't you uh, wrap us up today with your tool? Yeah. Um, so it's a, a book that I read a while ago that, um, that has really stuck with me. Uh, so the why has been doing a lot of work on diversity inclusion um, and has really been looking at how the population is changing and how 2050, um, the uh, population in terms of race, is going to be completely different than how the population is today, and specifically in the U.S. And so um, a lot of the work the Y has been trying to lead has been pushing people to think differently about how they're serving people. And part of that is being introspective and looking at yourself. And I was just came from a diversity inclusion conference um, a few weeks ago, which was great and very uplifting in so many ways. And I realized as I dig more into this work that um, it's it's not just about creating programming. It's also about being sincere to yourself and of who you are and your, your vulnerabilities as well, too. For lack of better words, some people call it little phrases as being woke, right? Like, um, so right. a book that helped me, um, and I had to read it twice for it to really, like, the first time I read it was like a punch, is the book called White Fragility. And it's all about how, as, as being someone who's white, um, I don't think about race every day when I get up every morning and look at myself in the mirror and how that is a privilege and other people that are, are not white might have to think that way. might think about their race every day. So it was a very eye opening book. Um, I literally had to read it twice. The first time I read it, it was, it was really hard to read through it. And in terms of it really was thought provoking. Then the second time it, it really um, clicked well with me, but I just, yeah, uh, it's a book I'll probably read a third time. Um, it's really thought-provoking. Um, if you're a person that identifies as white or ca- Caucasian, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, for us, uh, us being camp professionals working with people, we should be cognizant of our own biases and cognizant of just how we operate um, in order to better serve people. And I just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic book. 
Excellent. Awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, so TNF people have follow-up questions about the book or some of the stuff you talked about. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, so um, uh, Dan Loves Camp for Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my email is dan.weir, W-E-I-R, at Y-M-C-A-L-I, uh, Y-M-C-A Long Island, uh, dot org. So um, yeah, uh, happy to talk. Great. Thanks, man, for being here. We appreciate you uh, sticking around at the end of your work day. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Joe, how can reach people reach out to you? People can reach out to me through um, uh, my our website, uh, the camp websites, campisbetter.com, and the uh, my personal website, yoyojoe.com, and you can send me an email to joe at either of those things as well. Excellent. Thanks, Joe. Not a problem. Gab, what's the best way to follow up with you if people have questions? You can uh, check out where I work at waro.com. You can write me at gabs, J-A-B-Z, at waro.com, or check out my Instagram at Gabrielle Rail. And also, um, if you're somebody that likes to listen to books like I do, um, White uh, Fragility is also on Audible. So nice. um, it's, it's available there, too. Excellent. And it's Thanks, a good Gab. recording. It's a, it's a good recording on that one, too. Yeah, Amy London has a great... She's done a, quite a few books on uh, Audible, and she has a great voice. Perfect. I feel like we could do a whole Tool of the Week section just on our favorite readers of yep. books. <laughs> and favorite <laughs> podcast voices. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you we to all the three just of you talk like here. this. We would be fine <laughs> for the rest of our time oh, here together. Oh, boy. <laughs> And we promise in that show we'll bring back ASMR Joe. Yes. Yes, we can do that. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you, everybody. And uh, a big debt of gratitude to Matt, our podcast executive producer and our editor for this one. This is going to be a show and a half for him to put together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're super grateful, Matt, for all the work you do here. If you want to see our show notes, go to, to camphacker.tv slash podcast. This is episode 117, and uh, we look forward to your feedback. Let us know how you feel, if you have any questions or other ideas for um, building your own support network. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.